Hello, I'm Margaret Ann Merrick and welcome to the Property Development Live podcast. This week we have something slightly different. As part of the Property Development Live experience, we have an exclusive Facebook group. Our members come from across the UK. They're from all walks of life and all ages. The one thing they have in common is that they're committed to property development from new builds to major commercial to residential conversions. Every week we now have a Zoom call with members where they can ask property development questions. And we're excited to share this week's Zoom call with you where Paul Merrick and Martin Davis of the Property Development Live team share their experience. This is the second Q&A session from Property Development Live uh, with Paul in the answering seat. The subject today is how do I estimate building costs? Well, I was thinking about this just before I sat down and this kind of reminds me of a story I once heard about some Americans who landed in Ireland they stopped and asked this farmer the way to Dublin. And the, the farmer turned around and said, sure, I wouldn't start from here. <laughs> <laughs> the point of that story being this estimating building costs is presuming that it's someone else that tells you how much everything's going to cost. And it's something I come across quite often in the property world. An architect's going to tell you how much it costs to do the architect's drawings. An engineer's going to tell you how much it's going to cost to do the engineering. And a builder is going to tell you how much it's going to cost to do the build. And it begs the question, what do you do? What's your job? Now, in most businesses, what you do is you decide you're going to do something. And then you decide what the budget is for that something. So, for example, you might say in a business, we're going to do marketing. So you wouldn't say, well, I'll go to Saatchi and Saatchi and ask how much marketing is because the most small business couldn't afford Saatchi and Saatchi. And the, the same is very much true of a lot of builders and development. You know, if you look at a project and you say, right, well, I'm going to take this to a builder. I'm going to ask the builder how much it is to do it. Quite often you'll find that you get the builder's cost and then you get the price of the project and you put them together and it doesn't really work. What you're doing is you're asking somebody else how much it's going to cost to build your project. If I went to Saatchi and Saatchi and said, well, how much is it for my advertising? They would say more than you can afford, probably. You can't rely on other people telling you how much your build's going to cost. So what we have done for 25 years reasonably successfully is do that the other way around, which was the point about the Irishman saying I wouldn't start from here. What we have done is decided what we're going to spend. Once we've decided what we're going to spend, what we do is we make that work. Well, I'll say that again. If you go out and ask a builder what, what, how much it is to build X, a builder will tell you how much he wants to charge you to build X. In other words, he will tell you a good price, a good price for him. So what you do is you set a budget and then you find somebody or a varying people to build it with inside that budget. So one of the ways that we've always cut that cost is we'd, we've never employed a builder, a builder, in other words, somebody who comes in and builds it for us. What we've done is employed trades, individual trades, so plumbers, joiners, electricians, because that's essentially what a builder does. A builder just employs other subcontracts that work to other people and takes roughly about 20% off the top, which in most projects is your margin, by the way. That's, in most projects, that's your margin. The builder takes your margin. 
So if you if you choose to build deal with a builder at all, then you tell the builder what the budget is. But you don't need to deal with a builder in the first place. You can build with it. You can deal with individual trades, which is what the guys are, are the majority of the guys are going to do on property development live. So, so the first lesson, the first job, if you like, is to decide how much you want to spend on your project. That, that's another thing. Don't don't go with whatever your architect recommends. <laughs> in terms of builders, and you know, quite often a, an architect, you get involved with an architect, you don't know a builder, and they will have somebody they know. And they'll say, oh, you know, George is a great builder. Now, George might be a great builder, and it's great to have a personal recommendation, but if your budget to build is £70,000 and George's price is £100,000, he's not a great builder for you. He might well be a great builder, but he's not your great builder. So the first thing I would say is turn the whole concept on its head. How much am I willing to pay? And then find people who will do it for that amount of money, whether that be a builder, which I would never recommend, or whether that would be employing the trades directly. I suppose my question is, uh, how do you know um, you set yourself a challenging target, but a realistic one? It's as realistic as you make it. So you're, you're not going to pull a figure out of fresh air, I would hope, right? You're going to do some work before you speak to anybody. This is, this is another issue that I have, that people go to a builder blind. Right, so they've done no, no work at all. For example, it's not brain surgery, and certainly in this day and age with all the tools that are online, it is not brain surgery to work out how much the materials are. But at least by doing that, you've got an indication of how much the materials are, for example. And then you say, right, okay, so a, a good question to ask several builders, and, and again, or several plumbers, or several joiners, or several electricians is, um, how long do you think you're going to be working on this job? You've seen the drawings. How long do you think you're going to be working on this job? And they say, okay, well, this is three months' work. Well, how much are you prepared to pay a builder for three months' work? Does £100,000 for three months' work sound reasonable to you, Andy? No. Oh. So does £10,000 a month sound reasonable? Uh, yeah, probably because you'd have three or four jobs on at the time, so yeah. But you see what I'm saying? So you, so you know the price of the yeah. materials, then I decide what I'm going to pay in my labour based on how long the job's going to take. Now, if you get a consensus of opinion in terms of you spoke to six joiners and all six joiners, you know, four joiners say it's going to take me eight weeks and two joiners say it's going to take me 10 weeks. Roughly how long do you think it's going to take? Nine weeks. Actually, I think it's eight weeks because four out of, of the six have said eight. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how much are you willing to play your joiner? 4,000 maximum. So there you go. The biggest mistake that you will make is presuming that someone else is going to tell you the price of your job. My favorite comeback in the world is, that's the best price I could do, somebody says, and I go, yeah, best price for who? Best price for you or best price for me? What you're telling me is the best price you can do it for to suit you. I can guarantee you the best price you can do it for to suit you doesn't suit me. But that's what they mean when they say this is the best price I can do. Actually, what they mean is this is the best price I can do to suit me. Does that, does that make sense to everybody? You know, people think the best price they can do means the best price that they could do. They couldn't do a better price. They're not saying that at all. They're saying this is the best price I could do because this is the price that suits me. Well, let me tell you about the price that suits me after doing a little bit of homework and research. When I first started this job 25 years ago, homework and research was very difficult. You know, you had to ask 10 joiners what the hourly rate was. You know, I can Google what the hourly rate is in the UK for a joiner now. I've got 
places like Juicing that will price up all my materials. Okay, I don't agree with their price because I can take about 40% off of it, but I can get, I can get a baseline. Most people go to builders and don't even have a baseline. The baseline is whatever that person said. Good God, that's a beautiful position to be in in business, isn't it? It's just, it's, it's, it's turning the whole thing on its head. Anyway, do we have questions? Yes. Alex, would you like to kick us off with your question? Yes. Um, I feel the question might be a little bit general, but you know, I'll leave it to you to elaborate, Paul, if you can. But um, I was going to ask, what is the best way to bypass the builder's merchant? Uh, the best way to bypass the builder's merchant is to go directly to the manufacturer and tell the manufacturer what you're doing at the moment. So the scale of the development that you're doing at the moment and the scale of development you intend to do over a period of time. Well, I'm guessing everyone has a business plan and you've tell, you can tell me how many houses you're going to build over the next five years. All of you have already done that clearly, I would imagine. The point is you should, know what, you should know what your plan is for the next five years. One of the first things that I always say to people is do a five-year business plan. And if anybody wants a five-year business property plan, a basis for a plan, I've got one you can have a copy of. So classic example again. I like real examples, guys. I don't like hypotheticals. I don't like you could do this. I like to talk about stuff we've either done or we're in the process of doing. So the guys from Property Development Live were sitting in the office and um, we had a couple of quotes in for... Uh, the groundworks and the, the pipe work for the groundwork, so sewage, underground, and, and pipe work for overground, um, from people like Juicens. And then I got in touch with Polypipe, who are the manufacturers on London Road in Glasgow. And I asked uh, the guy from Polypipe to come in, and he come in, and we sat mm -hmm. down, and we had a wee chat, and we told him our current plans and our future plans and where we're going with this whole thing. And he said, oh, the best discount I could give you was 83% off of list 83% off of list that's not of that's off and I remember John thinking I've been doing well to get 50% off and the young sales guy thought he was doing quite well and thought I was going to bite his hand off and I said good that's what you can afford to give me you're only a young sales guy go and talk to your area manager and tell me what he can give you I think at the moment my last email is 90% off of list so to answer your question very directly, you contact the manufacturers of whatever product it is you want and you ask them to send out a rep. And, and then that rep will eventually work for you because it's in his interest to get you a deal. Next question, please. So Andy, why don't you ask your question about contingency materials? Hang on a minute. Uh, yep. So it's obviously... We've You've probably gone through a process and negotiated all your best possible prices for all the different materials. Uh, would you order slightly more at that point for maybe things like, uh, you know, softwood for studs or something like that? Or would you order the exact amount you think you need and then just top up off the shelf? What I would do is I would build a relationship. Like if we build, we, we build a, we are likely to build a relationship with Polypipe on this particular one for underground. So just to, to stay with that example, um, to save jumping examples, what I would do is I would say to the rep from Polypipe, right, this is what our estimate is and this is what we expect to buy. What I want to do is I want to over-order from you, but I want a, an SOR. Does everybody know what SOR is? No. Oh. Sale or return. Let's say that we want to buy £10,000 worth of underground pipe off of Polypipe. I would say, right, the order, my estimate is £10,000 worth of, of pipe. I'm going to pay you for £12,000 worth of pipe that I want you to send to site, but I want SOR on £2,000 worth. 
I've got it sitting on site, so I'm not waiting on it coming back in again. But when the job's done, the SOR, they take that back. Now, if you're doing a small refurb, you know, and you're buying 20 sheets of jet rock off of the guy behind the counter in uh, juicing, you're not going to get SOR. Thank you. Um, Sonny, you've got a question uh, which is yeah. slightly more um, sort of going yeah. somewhere else. So it was something that came up in the regs, the, the building regs recently that I hadn't maybe accounted for, um, and that was a certain percentage of the energy has to be renewable. So what's the question related to? The question that? is, do you see that things are going to go more and more into this direction of things being green and renewable? And do you think that's just something the developer is going to have to swallow as an extra cost, if you see it as an extra cost? Well, well uh, so there's, there's two questions there. Yeah. Um, is, is green going to become more part of a build? It has been doing for about the past 10 years, and it will do for the next 30 years, I would, I would imagine. Is it an extra cost, or is it a different cost? That's, that's the question, right? Because is it a different cost or is it, a, is it an extra cost? So at the moment, some parts of it are an extra cost because people with inside that industry are having a field of a time saying, oh, we can charge X for this because we know you need it for your building rigs and presuming they can get away with that. That brings me back to my very first point. Don't go and ask somebody how much it is for the, the latest heating system. Go and tell somebody what you can afford to pay and tell 10 companies what you can afford to pay. So it's just a case of managing like any other cost? Yes. It's not. Uh, it's, it's, they think they can charge a premium just now. Mm -hmm. Let's see if they can afford to charge a premium when you say, this is how much I've got, or you don't get the job. That's, that's a very focusing thing for most suppliers, you know. We come back to the same thing. I'm going to be a slightly repetitive. What they'll come to you with, Sonny, is the price they would like to charge. Whatever your budget was for a standard system, go back to them and offer them that for that system. But there's a mentality here. I have an abundancy mentality. In other words, I think there's loads of guys who do that. And I think there's loads of plumbers. And I think there's loads of properties. And I think there's loads of joiners. And I think there's loads of electric. I have a, an abundancy. Um, I don't get emotionally attached to people or property. As, as John will testify when it comes to some of the labor we've had up there thus far. No disrespect to, to trades or to people but I need them as long as I need them. And we have a, a mutually workable experience for as long as it works. Uh, somebody asked me the other day that how long I, I usually work with trades. I said, until, we, until I don't. That's how long I usually work with trades, until I don't. So that could be a relationship that can last 20 years. That can be a relationship that can last 20 months. That's a relationship that can last 20 minutes. But I'm not trying to hold on to that relationship. You're not emotionally attached to your, your, your suppliers whether that be labor or whether that be materials. You just give them your, your budget, not their quote. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, Mark, Mark Bruce, did you have a question? I know you haven't put a question there, but is there anything going through your head? Um, I mean, it's certainly, Developments, working on developments previously uh, in my past um, trade life as a spark. Um, I'm quite used to seeing these trades and, and building and, and working on them. Um, I just try to understand how to work back from the GDV um, to estimate a typical build cost on a site. Um, I know obviously it's, it's like you say, you're doing the homework, um, but is there a, a 
kind of rule of thumb. Um, uh, uh, well, look, builders will tell you there's rules of thumb. I've seen that. I've seen square meterage and stuff, but I ah. think is there, is there a better way so, so just to get, kind of draw it down? Let me give an example of that, right? My nephew built his, his very first house, never built a house before, never done a conversion, never done anything, right? He works, he works in farm foods, kept a full-time job in farm foods, and he built his first house, and he built the house. But I gave him a lot of supervision in terms of um, acquiring materials and acquiring labour. So he, he managed his own build. He didn't bring a, a builder in. He managed his own uh, trades. And uh, he built his very first house for 706 per square meter. Now, you ask the average builder how much they are, and, and, a, and a builder who's quoting you cheap money will say he's 1,200 pounds per square meter. Mm-hmm. A builder who's expensive will quote, quote you 1,500 pounds per square meter. If my nephew, who's never built a house before, can build a house, his very first house for 706. What do you think those builders can build it for? And I'll answer that question for you. Martin, you, we were talking a couple of days ago and you were telling me about one of your friends who did a genuine JV with a builder. Most builders don't give you a genuine JV. They make money out of the build and out of the profit. What, uh, what deal did your friend get with a builder who gave him a genuine JV? So he, he did a deal with the builder where the builder was doing cost at 600 pounds per square meter and they would share the profit so so there's the difference between between what a builder can actually build for right because he was he done a genuine jv what he can actually build for and what he would like to charge you Six to seven hundred pound per square meter is what I could build a new house for. I mean, my, de- my nephew done it for seven oh six, but it was his first house. I-, I would like to think I could do it a-, a bit sharper than that, or or I'd be disappointed to face my nephew again. Um, so there's a huge difference between what can be built and what a builder will want to charge you. But that's about you sourcing materials at the right price, and that's you. That's and you managing trades. And, and yeah. There's not. There's two examples of prices that have actually been achieved in the last couple of years. You could take those as your thumbnail, and that would give you an indication. But if you start taking builders at twelve and sixteen hundred pounds per square meter, most developments won't work. No, that six to seven hundred square meter. What kind of level of finish is that? How, how much were the end product of those houses, Martin? Because they were in quite a posh neck of the woods. Uh, that was near Shrewsbury in England, and it was about five seven five that sort of so, price. So a five hundred and fifty thousand pound house. So that's a reasonable quality. My nephew has Neff appliances, stone worktops, good eighteen mil unit, and um, good solid solid wood doors, which I didn't agree with, but he did it anyway. Reasonable quality. I mean, we're not talking about gold plated taps but we're talking about good quality stuff. Can I just ask why you weren't pro this sold, um, solid wood doors? But nobody's ever come to buy a flat, a flat or a house off of me and went, you know, if that would have been a solid wood door, I would have bought this. Yeah, it's not a deal maker, I guess. Yeah. But you do not put solid wood doors in because a veneered door looks every bit as good. It's about a third of the price and nobody's going to go, I'm not buying this house because it's got veneered wooden doors as opposed to solid wooden doors, right? A good veneer door will last five to 10 years and a good solid door will last 100 years. Are you likely to have the same doors in your house for 100 years? I don't vanity spend. I make a nice product, but I don't vanity spend. Just, can I just ask another question? Uh, as someone that kind of was 
back in my day anyway, open book. Yeah. Is that still a thing? Still use it? Yeah, you want to explain that to people so they know, they know what you're talking about. Uh, so um, working with contractors, um, I have an open book. So you get stuff at cost price plus 5% or something, whatever you agree with the contractor. So you know exactly what you're getting charged plus the uplift. Now you've explained it, I'm going to explain why I had. Did you, did you hear the hesitation in my voice? Yes. Yes, it still exists. I would never touch it with a 10-foot bar. Mm -hmm. So you're an electrician, you're a spark. As a spark, be 100% honest with everybody, right? Mm -hmm. I bring yeah. you to a job, right? As a spark, how much time are, and, and, you're, and you're playing open book, right? How much time are you going to spend finding a, a role of 2.5, twin and earth? get at the absolute best price humanly possible. Not going to, just going to go to the, the wholesalers and get off the shelf. And in, a, in an average new build, how many rolls of that would you use? Average new build, probably maybe three, four. So the best quote I've got on that at the moment for property development live, as I know you're a bit out of touch now, but the best quote I've got is 24 quid a roll. That's about right, yeah. I'm not buying it at 24 quid a roll. I'll end up going in and paying probably 20 quid a roll for that because I'll do the, this is my budget I want. Mm -hmm. now, now, remember, we've got five houses. So you're multiplying that order that you yeah. just said, which is four or five times five. You think they're going to walk away from my money? You as a good, honest electrician are never going to do that. You're just going to take the 24 quid a roll and add 5%. So open book is great, except for nobody will look for materials for you like you look for materials for you. Because at the end of the day, it's not, it's an open book doesn't motivate him to buy it at the best price. He makes 5% on however much that roller cable is. Yeah. And to find, so, to find a better price is time, which is cost. Yeah. yeah. Which is cost. So he's not going to do it. If I employed him as an electrician, I wouldn't be employing him to find me cable. I'd be employing me to find me cable. I keep coming back to this thing all the time. There's lots of what I call coffee drinking developers. That's people who think they're going to sit at home and an agent will find the property and a broker will get them the money and a builder will build it for them. And I keep asking these people, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a developer. Well, I don't really know what that means because I can see everybody else's job. I can't see yours. What's your job? One of my jobs as a developer, one of the 4,000 jobs I have as a developer is sourcing materials. Just as a, as a comment, I would just say, having observed you over the last year doing this, it is, um, it's just the relentless attacking of every single cost. What we've talked about tonight is how to create a budget that suits you and not what suits a builder or a contractor or a plumber or a joiner or an electrician. I will, start, I will finish with the same message that I started with. Do not go to anyone and ask them how much it is. Do your own research, get a figure in mind and tell people what you're going to pay them. Great advice there from Paul. I know the participants on the Zoom call were eager to apply their new knowledge to their projects. I hope you can see how it will help you in your developments too. Don't forget to comment under this podcast on the Property Development Live YouTube channel or on the Property Development Live Facebook group. We'd love to hear how you're applying our lessons to your projects and how Property Development Live is helping in your property journey. Till next week, stay safe. I'm Margaret Ann Merrick and you've been listening to Property Development Live. <laughs>